When we think of our favourite places to eat, the images we conjure up in our imaginations can be quite vivid. And this isn't something that happens by chance. Restaurants, bars and cafes put a lot of work into the image and atmosphere of their locations to curate positive and memorable encounters among guests. Yes, everything, from decorations and layout to chair and napkin choice, is meticulously thought out to cultivate brand recognition. Because food and beverage brands, perhaps more than any other industry, aren't just trying to sell products. Restaurant design or restaurant experiences is about feeling. It's about what are you trying to communicate? What are you trying to make people feel? A restaurant experience is the ultimate brand expression because you get to utilize all of the senses. Taste, smell, touch, feel, sound. It's everything. And if you think about brands, you're not, not many brands are able to do that. Not many industries are able to do that, to touch on all of those things. This is Beyond Retail, the show that helps businesses make sense of the emerging trends and technological developments within the ever-changing landscape of the retail and hospitality industries. I'm your host, Marie Keyworth. In this season, we explore the food and beverage industry's taste for change. We investigate how the sector has adapted amidst the challenges of a post-COVID society and how it is continuing to evolve in response to new societal pressures and changes. In today's episode, we're exploring how design and technological trends and advances are reshaping the food and beverage industry to deliver modern experiences and refine brand images. Like in many other industries, technology has become part of the fabric of food and beverage. In our last episode, we heard how delivery apps, advanced ordering and unified commerce helped the sector through economic difficulty. But in today's show, we're going to look at the role design plays in food and beverage spaces, alongside some of the physical solutions modernizing restaurant design, cafeterias and more. In recent years, we've seen restaurants lean into their tech offering, with self-serve kiosks becoming more and more commonplace, augmenting the traditional restaurant blueprint. According to Adyen Research, 41% of businesses surveyed said they were committed to investing in tech to improve the buying experience. And while for some, the appearance of self-serve kiosks where perhaps a human-operated till once stood feels like progress, for others, anxieties over equipment not working makes increased tech adoption seem more like a one-step-forward, two-steps-back kind of solution. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of that QR code or whatever they're called. It's just really fast. Because sometimes the internet doesn't work. It's really frustrating. So it's just like, can you just give us a menu that we can actually look at? If it's working, it's great. Otherwise, it's a bit of a nuisance. I think the presence of technology is pretty good because, you know, I don't have to worry too much. It's a lot easier. I understand that. But also, like, being on your phone in a restaurant when, like, you're supposed to be with people, like, you know, to order or whatever, sometimes it does take away from the atmosphere and the vibe. And if I'm paying a lot, then I don't expect that kind of thing. I quite like the apps and the kiosks because it takes the pressure away and you can have a good look at the menu before making a choice. I think it's positive because a lot of the modern restaurants all have, like, apps menus and stuff and I think it makes the whole experience easier and when you're doing the payments and everything like that it's usually quicker. Although opinions might be divided on the topic of tech in restaurant spaces the technology and its effect on design is here to stay and it's set to carry on evolving alongside consumer expectations. Here to tell us a bit more about this evolution and how it compares to that scene in the retail industry is Adyen's VP of product Dec Bisser. 
the main differences between traditional retail and food and beverage spaces is that the food and beverage space is evolving uh, much more fast than traditional retail. So traditionally in food and beverage, in restaurants, there has always been a lot of technology used. I mean, the kitchen itself is a is a work of art in terms of uh, technology. And if you think about the restaurant spaces and, and all the different uh, concepts that you have today, technology plays a very important role in that. Whereas most of the traditional retail, as we say, is still relatively traditional. So with technology evolving so fast in F&B retail, what have some of the most innovative advances that Dirk's seen change the shape of restaurants in recent years? There's a wide variety of uh, emerging technology in food and beverage. I think it, it already starts with production. So you see that there's a lot of movement in the entire chain from producing food, producing and getting it to restaurants, uh, distribution. But then the part that we are probably most interested in is the last mile or the last yards, uh, so to say. So innovation in food ordering, delivery, uh, self-ordering, all these innovations that we've seen in the last 10 to 20 years. I think great examples of that would be uh, smart devices that are used by staff, kiosks that you see to, uh, to order as a customer, things like order ahead technology, food preparation robots. Uh, you see a lot of vending popping up uh, left and right. Uh, so if you go to any airport today, there's all these different vending options. Uh, there's a lot of data and AI being used in, uh, in food. Uh, so if you think about uh, menu optimization, so how do you optimize revenues? How do you help uh, decision-making processes for customers by really looking at data and then trying to persuade them via changing the, uh, the digital menus? There's a lot of uh, things happening in autonomous F&B. There's a lot of stadiums that are now being installed with autonomous food and beverage stations where you can basically walk in, uh, you get a, a drink, you get some snacks, and you walk out without even talking to a member of staff. Uh, so there's a lot of innovation in the, in the space. Clearly, the food and beverage sector isn't short of ideas when it comes to updating the technologies featured in physical spaces. And with so much advancement happening so quickly, it can sometimes be easy to forget just how different the technological landscape is now compared to 10 years ago. Let's just take restaurants. The most annoying uh, part of the entire customer experience is the payment process, both for the customer and for the staff. So you had your meal. That's the moment when you're done, you want to go home, you're waiting for your bill. That's the part that um, was always a bit painful. And it was very singular. There was only one way you would call the staff and then they would bring you the bill, you would pay it, they would take your card, go to the back of the house, try to authorize that card and then go back, you would sign or maybe uh, add some tip to that. I think where we evolve towards is to say, a customer wants to pay at the point of interaction. So wherever they are placing the order, which can be uh, before they uh, actually receive their order or after, but it has to be at their convenience. And today there's many different ways, right? So everybody's carrying a phone that has uh, different payment options. Uh, you can be either at home ordering uh, food online, or you can be on your way to a restaurant ordering uh, food there, or you can be at the restaurant itself sitting at a table and ordering and paying at the table yourself. Or maybe you want to have the staff walk around uh, with a device where they can have you pay at the table. So there's all these different options making the lives of both staff and customers much easier when it comes to the most painful process, which is uh, the payment. 
Yes, while the flashy self-service and self-scan kiosks might be the most obvious addition to restaurant spaces in recent years, they're certainly not the piece of kit that has proliferated the sector the most. Because where customers really want speed and innovation is in the payments process, which calls for more sophisticated point-of-sale technology. Convenient payment is so important to customers, in fact, that 56% of those surveyed said they would abandon a purchase if they couldn't use their preferred payment method. So, clearly, there's an advantage for brands breaking away from bulky fixed-till systems and offering up-to-date mobile payment tech. So it's about better customer experience. I'm ordering here, so that's the moment when I'm also thinking about, okay, I want to pay for that service or the good. So it's about creating these options, making it easier for your customers to use their service and to enjoy and focus on, on what you excel at, which is providing a good customer experience with food and, uh, and drinks and what have you. And also for staff, if they can focus on giving their uh, customers a better time and uh, not by having to worry and think about payments, that's the part that it's really about, right? So you, you take away that hurdle, that pain, so that staff and your business has more time to focus on the things that they are actually good at and they enjoy doing, which then results hopefully into a better customer experience. It seems then that adopting the right technologies can have positive impacts across the board. Intuitive, streamlined solutions can help improve customer experience by removing common friction points. And reliable payment methods can allow staff to focus on customer service, rather than worrying about troubleshooting issues. However, there are lots of technologies out there offering different solutions to overcome hurdles around flow, design and speed that meet consumer needs. So how can businesses choose the right tech for them? Here to explain how brands can make sure they make the correct tech decisions is Automation and Emerging Technology Product Manager at Compass Group, Harry Ridley. Uh, there's no point just putting in new tech for the sake of putting in new tech. We need to run through the user journeys, the use, use cases, and just make sure that tech is an enabler to actually benefit the customers as well as the clients and us as the operators. So trying to hit that sweet spot is sometimes quite difficult. You don't want to shoehorn in new tech because you might actually upset all three of those variables. And you just need to make sure that we aren't lowering our standard of service or our quality with the new tech as well, using that as an enabler for more efficiencies. As we've heard before, adopting new tech just because it's there is never the answer. Instead, food and beverage retailers need to consider what's right for them. And that means asking what's right for their image, the atmosphere they want to create, and above all, their space. But if one piece of tech doesn't work out to be quite the right fix, F&B brands need not despair, because there are plenty of innovations in the world just waiting to be paired with the right business. So there's been a bit of an evolution, I suppose, in tech over the last couple of years, where we've sort of moved away from operator-led tills to actually passing over the ordering to the user. So the user will come up and use a self-serve kiosk or use their own app. Now we're, we're, we're getting to some really exciting tech like checkout free stores, frictionless stores, and then auto AI scanning. And they're two of the main things I'm looking at in the business. And it's not just about uh, labor saving, it's about getting really fast customer service and that user journey 
and actually freeing up people's time at, at peak periods such as lunchtime and using that tech, as I said, as an enabler to support our offering. While self-service tills might still seem like a pretty new piece of kit, the truth is that even newer tech is starting to emerge, which is having a profound effect on the way F&B spaces are shaped. Systems like checkout free stores that allow customers to simply walk in and take what they want while all the purchasing happens seamlessly behind the scenes are starting to gain traction. And AI technology is also starting to make its way into customer-facing roles. Working alongside AI-powered self-checkout solution AutoCanteen, Harry and the Compass Group are delivering an operatorless till system that removes the need for checkout staff, product scanning, barcodes, and even RFID chips. So you mentioned also Canteen, they're one of our strategic partners in the UK. We're rolling out quite a few sites with them, uh, with AI plate scanning, which is basically the next step on from a self-serve kiosk. You still have to queue, but the queues are around six times faster than a manned till position. You put your plate of food underneath the scanner and it automatically scans that food and, and puts those items into your cart using image recognition and, and a little bit of AI to reference the image to the correct item and the correct product and the price. It takes around about half a second for the recognition and then you tap your card and then you're you're free to go and, and enjoy those products. And there are a couple of other really exciting new pieces of tech that, that we're exploring at the moment. One of them being frictionless. You may have heard of Amazon Just Walk Out. We have several partners that we work with. We're frictionless and checkout free solution, which is basically no tills, no staff, potentially in the stores as well. And um, sometimes we have a host just to support with adoption. But you tap your card or scan your QR code on your app, gates open into the store. And then every time you interact with each of the shelves, uh, each of the products is added to your virtual cart. And then when you leave the store, that cart is finalised and you are charged your payment method, so app or card. And you're looking at seconds um, of customer journey rather than minutes with no queuing and just being able to get back to your day. The other benefit with checkout free stores is that you can open for longer periods of time. So you can offer a night service, you can open at weekends, which is absolutely brilliant for some of our clients where they've got extended shift patterns and no offer at the moment. While these systems offer much improved efficiencies, not everyone is as enthusiastic about the increased use of tech. Adyen's survey found that 29% of customers like indoor tech because it makes things faster. However, 26% still value the human element in store, and this figure jumps to 40% for those over the age of 55. So what kind of reception has Autocanteen received from Harry's clients and their staff? First question we always get asked is, um, where are the staff now? Have you just got rid of lots of staff? I mean, if we're being open and honest, we haven't. We just reutilised our staff. Um, so normally these sites, such as the frictionless stores, will need more staff to backfill all the products to make sure we're restocking it. The technology also gives you an efficient to-do list. So when there's stock that's run, run out, we can replenish that stock of or there's spillages or there's items that are in the wrong place. The tech will give you a to-do list. So that's really, really important. The feedback from the customers and the clients is excellent. They're really, really happy that they're able to get through 
and transact really quickly, and it just gains them more time at break periods. Most of them are amazed by AI and just amazed that it's actually just picking up the items that you put underneath the scanner or it's tracking you around the store and they don't need to queue up. In some of our sites, there has been a challenge with adoption, but as soon as you show them how the tech works and how we're putting it into our sites to benefit those users, they're normally our biggest advocates because they, they just didn't believe it, they didn't believe it could work. And then when it comes through and it's accurate and it's fast, they're extremely happy. And I suppose finally, the clients, the clients do love a, a good bit of innovation and new tech, but they can see that there are tangible benefits to the users and the efficiencies, we, we do try and pass them on to the clients as well. Some of the obvious areas in which technology can have a positive impact are speed, ease of use, and allowing brands to better utilize their staff. But one area that technology probably has the most profound effect on is space. Allowing retailers to save on valuable square footage or even completely rethinking the layout of their physical spaces. Here to tell us more about the technology-space relationship and to give us a deeper understanding of Auto Canteen and how it's helping businesses to rethink their food service operations is co-founder of Auto Canteen, Sergei Komenka. Space always always matters. They can put you in a different uh, context and uh, organized space also helps with uh, organized minds. But... Um, Within the food services, some of these spaces, uh, they are very high traffic areas. And uh, if they're not, they'll you know affect the throughput, queuing, and generally enjoyment of that space. Technology plays a role in organizing space, especially in a workplace. So signage provides relevant information depending on the context. And touch points, yeah, such as kiosks and other IT equipment, helps you to, to transact and interact with facilities. But, yeah, the, the space within these facilities, like, like the restaurants, they are not primary intention, but uh, without them, uh, people won't be very happy uh, in, that, uh, in that environment. Also, in, in, in the cities, it's because of a lack of space. Large restaurants, they, they need to be organized very well to cater for those peak hours. A restaurant might prioritize ambience and atmosphere in an effort to encourage customers to return. But for canteens, turnover and ensuring customers are served quickly and easily are more crucial. So what kind of technology in these AI checkouts is facilitating transaction speeds up to six times faster than that of a human-operated till? We introduced this IoT self-checkout system, this IoT kind, into hospitality, which wasn't available before. And it used to be challenging to offer a speedy self-service to a, a restaurant you know, after you made the choice. So without labeling the products, if, if you already uh, picked your meals and then you want to pay somehow yourself for it, so either you need to, you know, navigate uh, yourself and which leads to queues, etc. And uh, now with the computer vision and recognition, you, you can just come in and uh, the machine detects uh, itself within a second what's there and uh, yeah, you just pay for it. So that is exactly... Um, what our solution brings and yeah that that's the value of the technology it's the speedy recognition of your products but will aiot remain within the unmanned checkout space or could we see this technology make its way into other areas of food and beverage 
So IIoT as a class, it will definitely see more and more of these smart devices in the field, uh, not just in the food and beverage, but uh, lots of spaces around us, airports and um, supermarkets, etc. They will, you know, AI will be helping uh, with what at the moment is done by people or just enhancing the service. So, for example, you know, in the retail space, it, it can help to identify the age of a customer or help maybe with a self-check-in um, at, the, at the airport. So we'll see a lot of uh, these devices because they just bring value and help us to, you know, automate those decisions that can be automated at the very edge of interaction with the, with the customer. It looks like we could soon see AIoT coming to more food and beverage businesses outside of the workplace, potentially augmenting the self-service options already available. We've heard a lot about the impact of payment and checkout technologies on physical spaces. But for restaurants, technology isn't necessarily the first consideration they have to make when opening a new space. In fact, when it comes to the design and overall vibe of a restaurant, technology tends to feature much lower on the list. So what is important for a restaurant's theme when brands open a new space? And what comes first, the food or the design? Here to give us a restaurateur's insight into this question and share her experience of opening her own restaurant, The Nightery, is internationally celebrated chef, award-winning food writer and broadcaster Gizzy Erskine. The food influenced the design, the format influenced the design. I knew that I wanted to create this sort of trashy French food. I knew that I want like the, how I love to eat. And I also wanted, to, this is my first restaurant where I really got to show off my skills, you know. This was a proper restaurant. It was somewhere where I was cooking properly. It was, right, we've got this. We were creating the menu. And then we were like, right, how does this place look? And then we created it based around that. And it was great because we worked with a cob gallery. My friend Nutty runs that. And we got some of the best artists in the country, like hanging huge, huge canvases on the walls. That site was amazing anyway. It was huge, 350 cover site. It was it was just a really fun place where we what we wanted were people who wanted to like get up on the tables and dance by the end of it, but happily like eating with their hands and sharing wine and you know sitting shoulder to shoulder throughout their dinner, you know. And it, and that was what I wanted the food to encourage from people, and it did, you know. While restaurants might have the space and budget to fully realise their themes, there is another type of food and beverage business that operates with far more humble gadgets: the pop up. While restaurants might have the space and budget to fully realise their themes, these restaurants, being more creative expression than financial enterprise, also have to leave their mark on customers through brand expression. But how are they able to achieve this with smaller budgets, smaller locations and smaller timeframes? The only problem with a pop-up is you don't have the budgets. When I've done pop-ups... Previously, you don't have design budget at all. So you, you get the space that you want and then you you can take out of your cut what you want to put on design, but you just wouldn't. It's really the food has to speak for itself. And the way, I, the way I've changed those things is by working with entertainment. Like my very first pop-up was a thing called K-Town, which was in the tea building in Shoreditch. And that was about 15 years ago. And I'd just been working in America. I'd gone over to work with David Chang and ended up working for another massive big Korean chef out there. And we spent all our time in Koreatown. And I was just like, this is brilliant. We don't have anything like this in London. I want to bring something like this back home. And did a sort of five-course menu 
based around the food that I learned how to cook out there or or I was surrounded by it. Then we used a Korean drag queen was like the host and then we had a, a Korean rockabilly band, for example. So it was kind of like creating it through that design for the table mats and things like that. All of, all of that stuff kind of made you feel like you're in that, in that space. Of course, whether a restaurant or a pop-up, restaurateurs need to make sure that their branding causes a buzz. And nothing screams success more in the modern day than likes and shares on social media. At least, that's what it looks like to customers. But is this really the case? Your relevance on social media is really a critical way to push your business, you know. And I think you look at people who are really killing it at the moment, someone like Thomas Stracker, he's a brilliant chef. He's worked with, with some brilliant chefs and, you know, truly he's he's a genuine talent that's kind of come out of social media. And, you know, he's got over a million followers on Instagram now and he makes content all the time now, but he really is a restaurant chef. But his content doesn't sort of sit with his restaurant chef work. He knows how to speak to the person at home. And I think that that's a really important way for people to work. I think that that's what I used to do. And I was really capable of that. I feel a bit scared now that I've maybe missed my moment <laughs> to be able to bring that sort of to the table again. Because it's literally, it's moving so fast. And I'm like I said, I'm seeing chefs who I would not expect to be making that kind of content, making that kind of content now. And it is the way of the world. That's how everybody has to work. So for restaurateurs, social media can be a powerful brand communicator. However, a handful of photos here and there isn't enough to garner the kind of dedicated following that brands need to make a lasting impact. Instead, social media efforts should be as intentional as any other marketing methods brands engage in. You can't launch a viral campaign to drive customers through the door without any content to post. But what makes for eye-catching imagery? For most brands, they've already put the hard work into the most Instagram-worthy aspects of their restaurants, the design. It has to be a good place to eat and see, and like if it looks good, you want to go back again as well. And you can take your friends and who travels in and stuff like that. I'm more interested in kind of like the atmosphere and like the people in it and the vibe. And just kind of like, yeah, the atmosphere. The way it's set up, if it's too like cramped and small, I'm not too into it. I don't really care that much about an aesthetic. I just want good food. You know, decor, design doesn't really matter much. As long as it functions and gives me food, I'm okay with that. What is it then that makes for great restaurant design? And how can brands determine what their visual and architectural identity should be? Here to help us explore the importance of food and beverage businesses' aesthetic choices is David Carafano. He's Director of Strategy and Development for the hospitality design studio Crown Creative. A restaurant design or restaurant experience is, is about feeling. It's about what are you trying to communicate? What are you trying to make people feel? A restaurant experience is the ultimate brand expression because you get to utilize all of the senses. You get to utilize taste, smell, touch, feel, sound. It's everything. And, and if you think about brands, not many brands are able to do that. Not many industries are able to do that, to touch on all of those things. Again, I think great design is about making people feel something. You make people feel like they're transported somewhere, like you're in a different place or a different time period. And even at its more basic level, you want to make people feel 
happy. You want to make people feel surprised. You want to make people feel dark and moody. Like even that is, is a way to make people feel depending on the experience you want to create. And so that is really where it starts. And then from that, that's the strategy that you, you know, apply to everything else, the music, the seating, the lighting. Lighting is <laughs> pretty much everything. Uh, you, you can ask any uh, restaurateur. Um, it's about 90% of creating a good experience. And a lot of the great restaurants and restaurant groups that you see now, they put a lot of time and a lot of effort into getting lighting right. So yeah, to kind of sum up my answer is is really it's about great design. It's about feeling. It's about what they're trying to communicate with the experience. And then everything sort of laddering back to that. Design, much like social media strategy and tech adoption, isn't something that should be rushed. And just as Gizzy said, the design needs to be informed by the feeling F&B brands want to inspire in their guests. But the interior design of these spaces is just half the equation, because the exterior, or rather how it incorporates into the surrounding area, needs to be considered too. And this is something David and Crown Creative have become experts in. We always start with what's in the market. We look at everything, trends, both globally, but also locally, regionally. We look at the type of people that are in the area. We look at what other offerings are in the area. We really try to get a sense of what's there and what's needed. And there's always sort of a, a fine line between doing something completely new and being the first to do something versus falling in line with all the other trends. And I think it's always a it's always a fine line and it's always you want to present people with something that they're familiar with, but do it in a new way, maybe a more traditional type of cuisine or a more familiar cuisine, but with a new design approach. That's always a formula that works really well. But for example, you know, Hill Street Hatch was sort of born when Ryan, founder of Crown Creative, kind of went back home to Belfast and really sort of saw an opening for a place for people to experiment, really, like that didn't exist. And he really saw an opportunity and capitalized on trying new ideas, trying new concepts, creating a space for people to be creative, for young entrepreneurs, chefs, people who wanted to explore a, a, an opportunity in the hospitality space to just try something and do something new and really experiment. I think, you know, it was coming out of the pandemic where people didn't have space to do things and be creative. You know, they were sort of limited in their homes or, you know, were kind of stuck inside for a while. And when people started to get out more, there was a real sense of people wanting to try new things. And I think that was sort of a a really great insight that Ryan had to create that space and offer that platform for people to really do that, to explore and experiment. And Toast Office was born out of Hill Street Hatch. Uh, Toast Office was a concept that Ryan had developed within Hill Street Hatch, and then it saw life in other places as well. So it was a, it was almost the proof in the pudding of what that space could do. It was, let's test this out. Let's see if it works. It did work, and then let's develop it further. And so that was sort of the, the best case scenario for what Hill Street Hatch was meant to do. The success of new F&B spaces then isn't just a case of build it and they will come. Instead, taking a look at the local market and trends can yield useful insights into what's needed before any big decisions are made. But that's not to say that brands can't try something different or put a new twist on a local favourite. So with his wealth of experience helping restaurants of all shapes and sizes find their look, 
What does David see in the future of restaurant design? I think this flexibility of spaces and this sort of hybrid nature of spaces, I think that it really is the future. And also partnerships, collaborations, cross-utilizing spaces. Uh, you see a lot of brands now trying to get in the hospitality space. So you look at you know brands like Gucci and other sort of fashion luxury brands that are opening cafes. Ralph Lauren is another one with Polo Bar and Ralph's Coffee. These brands that are outside the hospitality space in fashion or other brands as well, but coming into the hospitality space or doing collaborations with hospitality brands such as uh, major food groups and the big hospitality groups. But I think you are going to see a lot more of that. And it also, it's sort of a benchmark in a lot of times for the hospitality industry because it pushes the hospitality industry, right? It's not always the same old, same old when you have somebody like Gucci or Ralph Lauren doing something different in hospitality, it's sort of pushing the envelope a little bit. And so that the rest of the industry can look at it and be like, oh, wow, that's a great new idea. And that's a great new benchmark for us to think about. And again, we pull inspiration from those in a lot of the projects that we do. So yeah, it is it is a good thing to see. Whether we're talking about the interior design of a restaurant, the technologies incorporated inside, or its geographical location, considerations of space shouldn't be taken lightly. Technology can be used to vastly improve customer service, but not every solution is appropriate for every food and beverage business. Brands need to ask themselves what kind of experience they're trying to offer and adopt technologies that complement the user experiences they're trying to create. Interior design and layout also need a thoughtful approach, drawing on the brand's offering to create a cohesive theme throughout the space. And before even considering what needs to go into their space, Brands need to develop a thorough understanding of the local F&B landscape to ensure they're offering a service that addresses a gap and meets consumer needs. Space and design are critical elements in an F&B business's success. But to keep running, brands also need an effective workforce to provide top-notch service. So join us next time as we learn about some of the strategies and technologies that are making our restaurants and food and beverage retailers better places to work. We commissioned possibly the most comprehensive study on this topic in recent years. And we found that 88% of staff in hospitality said that your tip processes, the transparency of that and the fairness of that, influences where they choose to work and how long they stay. And 86% said tips are important to their overall work satisfaction. So in terms of is that impacting customer experience? Well, I'd say yes, because we all know Happy staff make happy customers, and happy customers make a profitable and successful and long-lasting hospitality business. You've been listening to Beyond Retail. I'm your host, Marie Keyworth. If you want to find out more about the topics discussed in today's episode, visit adyen.com or follow the link in the show notes. A big thank you to our contributors, Dirk Bisser, Harry Ridley, Sergei Kamenko, Gizzy Erskine and David Carafano. And join us next time as we find out how food and beverage retailers are creating a recipe for staff retention. I'll see you then. <laughs>